salutations, peace, and blessings. You're listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. I'm your host, the Commission, wrapping up week 17 of the NFL season with Monday night's game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns. The Pittsburgh Steelers' defense went out there, went after Baker Mayfield with a target on this man's back. They had a total of nine, perhaps ten sacks for the evening. Four of those coming to T.J. Watt. Shout out to T.J. Watt, not J.J. Watt. T.J. Watt, that's about a sack away from capturing the all-time sack record for one season. This man is electric. He is phenomenal. He is the reason why the defense is still with their heads above water, figuratively speaking, against a lot of these games, a lot of these teams. An impressive win for the Steelers, and they're going to need it coming down the stretch as they play the Ravens the last game of the season. They win, and they have a possibility, slim 8% possibility of making the playoffs. For all those Pittsburgh Steelers fans out there, I know, I get it, I understand completely. After watching what I've seen with Pittsburgh, with their highs and lows, in a nutshell, the bottom line is that they are too an inconsistent team. There are a lot of inconsistent teams this past season, and you really want to root for the teams that have a player like Ben Roethlisberger playing his last home game, or perhaps playing his last home game there in Heinz Field. But it's the fact that with Roethlisberger and with this team, there wasn't much more that he can do. And I know they were trying to find lightning in the bottle one last time, but it just was to no avail. It's not to say that this season is completely over. Mathematically, they still have a shot of gaining perhaps the last seed in the playoffs. But even if they do, do you want to see the Pittsburgh Steelers crawl their way, limp their way into the playoffs just to get smacked up in the first round? There wouldn't be anything impressive about it. Outside of what you may get from T.J. Watt, you're not going to get much more out of that offense. Najee Harris, shout out to him. He has a sensational year as a rookie. Breaks Franco Harris's rushing record for a single season as a rookie at that. And, you know, it's, it's just this is what we're talking about with the Pittsburgh Steelers. A lot that they have to improve on. They will be shopping for a QB at some point. You would have to think seeing that this may be Roethlisberger's last hurrah. And again, I'll say this one more time before I move on. Baker Mayfield is not at fault for what's happened to this Browns team. No, they will not be going to the playoffs. No, it's not all on Baker Mayfield's back. I saw the way that they played against Pittsburgh on Monday night. They could have, could have had a chance to win. Could have, should have, would have. I understand, you know, but it's still the fact that this offense for the Pittsburgh, I'm sorry, for the Cleveland Browns, they came in beginning of the year as the most complete team in the NFL. And as they finish up their season, they are last in the division. It's almost as though Cleveland and Cincinnati swap places in the division, with Cleveland now being the doormat of the division. And the Cincinnati Bengals being the AFC North champions. Yes, they have clinched the AFC North championship or division title 
whatever you want to label it. Shout out to Cincinnati and all those fans out there that have been devoted to this team for so long. It was a very impressive win that they had against the Kansas City Chiefs. And so I will start this episode with my two-a-days. My two-a-days, for those that don't know, is where I acknowledge two of the best games for Week 17, along with two of the most horrendous games of Week 17. And so I want to acknowledge the Cincinnati Bengals for for playing an awesome game. This was a game that I just could not take my eyes away from when I was watching how Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, along with Joe Mixon and that offensive line, just go right through that top-rated Kansas City Chiefs defense. You would have thought at some point in the game that that Kansas City defense would do just enough to confuse Joe Burrow, put a lot of pressure on him, and they did at times. But I don't think they did enough of that. And when they did, they they applied the pressure on that offense, but they left Jamar Chase on an island with just one other defender. And I mean, I don't know how tall or how big Jamar Chase is, but he was snatching the ball out the air, very similar to what we saw of a Randy Moss back in the day. It was it was just so electrifying to see this guy, Jamar Chase, have one of the best games of his career, his young career, with 11 receptions, 266 yards, 266 yards, and three touchdowns. Impressive all the way around. I have nothing but high hopes for the Cincinnati Bengals. They defeat the Chiefs, of which they lose their number one seed in the AFC playoffs to the Tennessee Titans that defeated the Miami Dolphins 34-3, of which I will talk a little bit more about Miami when the time comes. But it makes the question of if Joe Burrow really is an MVP candidate for this season. Can we all say that Joe Burrow has done something that we probably would not have seen with this second year coming out of LSU? Yes, he tore up his knee last year. And there was no saying, there was no clue as to how well he would perform this season. But I think when you have champions, and when you have great talent like a Joe Burrow, surrounded by other great talented players... And then you go out and draft another talented receiver that just so happened to play with him at LSU. This is where we are with a Cincinnati Bengals team that has shown everybody that they deserve to be in the party. And I know everybody's on the Tennessee Titans bandwagon for Mike Brabel as coach of the year. Why not have Zach Taylor be mentioned for coach of the year. Zach Taylor has taken his team from the doormat, the bottom of the division, to becoming the AFC North champions of the division, of which they were not favored, and they were not favored by the commission. We really thought that Baltimore was going to take this with without even looking for it. This would be something that Baltimore's defense, along with Lamar Jackson, would have in that back pocket at the start of the season. And lo and behold, with Baltimore playing the way that they are, they might miss the playoffs too. It says a lot about the division. 
division, but more so about where the Cincinnati Bengals are right now. And this young team going into the playoffs, I can be the one to tell you, I can see them winning the first round of the playoffs before they make their second round uh, visit to wherever they decide to go in the midst of the playoffs. I like the way they're playing. I like they're playing with confidence. I like the fact that they took it to the number one seed, Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I won't say with ease, but they really put forth a fight. And to let that team know, let everybody else know, that they've come to play football. Congratulations to the Cincinnati Bengals. Shout out to all the peoples out there celebrating for Cincinnati. The other team that I had on my two-a-days was a toss-up. It, it, it really was a coin toss between the two teams I had in mind. The one team barely wins on the road in Baltimore, and then this particular team barely wins against the Indianapolis Colts there in Indianapolis. So I thought that giving the nod to the Las Vegas Raiders would be ideal in the situation. They had a phenomenal game. Shout out to the Raiders and how they defeated the red hot Indianapolis Colts. The Colts going into that game with a a eight game winnings, maybe not winning streak. They won eight games out of their last 10 games going to that game against the Raiders. The Raiders desperate in need of a win, desperate in need for a chance to make the playoffs. And it was nip and tuck the entire game. For what the for what the Las Vegas Raiders gave the Colts, the Colts gave back to the Raiders. Jonathan Taylor has over 100 yards rushing, but it makes no difference. It really came down to the last second of the game. It truly came down to that. The kicker Carlson, I think his name is, kicks the winning field goal, win 23-20. They improved to 9-7. and seven which puts them right there in the hunt for a second in the division with the Los Angeles Chargers, Gold Chargers go, who they face Sunday night. Next Sunday night, I should say. On Sunday night football, week 18 of the schedule. And I'm not going to touch on week 18 just yet. I'm just pretty much laying out the groundwork. I'm, I'm really portraying what I'm going to paint this portrait as going into week 18. That's going to be an exciting game to watch, whether you're a fan of the Raiders or not. And given the fact that they just lost the iconic uh, Hall of Fame coach, and John Madden, they have a lot to play for. And, you know, I think everybody really didn't give Derek Carr high praise in spite of how well he played the beginning of the season. But you look at where he is right now, especially after the win against the Colts. He throws the ball 31 times, completing 24 of those passes for 255 yards, one touchdown. They've won three straight games after the massacre against the Chiefs. This team is red hot. This team is in the right position to win against the Chargers right there in Las Vegas. They'll make for probably the game of the week. You would think with all the other games that are going on with a chance to go into the playoffs, this might be the most pivotal, the most crucial game that you're looking at right now. And let me just say this for the sake of arguing. Hunter Winfrow, we don't talk enough about Hunter Winfrow. Shout out to him. 
he's had a phenomenal season himself for the season thus far. He's had 99 receptions, a little over a thousand yards, with 1,025 yards and seven touchdowns. If he's not the team MVP, I don't know who else would be. I don't know who else you can put a finger at, point a finger at and say, this man is the reason why we're in the position we are now. He's outside of Cooper Cup. He's probably the most electrifying receiver that we've seen in the AFC alone. And he's doing this with a team that has just been perhaps shell-shocked with all the other issues that have been going on, starting from John Gruden to Henry Ruggs. So now we've got this situation with Hobbs and we've had another situation with another player getting arrested. This team is in shambles. This team is fractured. And, and it's not so much because of the style of play, but because of the personality of this team. A lot of these players are not professional enough. They're not disciplined enough to be a part of this establishment. And they're ruining it. They are ruining the opportunities that the Raiders have right now to do something for themselves by making the most bonehead, foolish mistakes. Yes, we're all capable of making mistakes, but if you're a team that that, that is that close to clinching a spot in the playoffs, you don't put yourself in a position where you get arrested, and you don't put yourself in a position that you can't get yourself out of. And so people have to step up when other people fail to do their jobs. And which is why I'm I'm really looking at Hunter Renfro for what he's done. I've got everything circled around that man. If he doesn't have a great performance Sunday night against the Chargers, you can forget it. I don't care what it is they've done on defense. I understand they've got a few pro bowlers on defense. Not a lot, maybe just one with Max Crosby. But I want to see just how well Derek Carr, Hunter Renfro, along with Josh Jacobs, and that offense does against a Chargers team that's going to be gunning for them for a chance to go into the playoffs themselves. Those are my good teams for Week 17. Of course, I didn't mention the Philadelphia Eagles, not because I'm taking it personal, but because in large part because they're in a great position now to find themselves in the playoffs like I said they would after winning the last four games that they've had thus far. I won't say the game against Dallas is a cakewalk, but Dallas really has, Dallas doesn't really have anything to play for. I mean, for where they are right now, be it the third or fourth seed, this is where they're going to be going into the playoffs. I like Philly to try to do something to end that season on a high note. Tennessee clinches the AFC South division. Congratulations to the Titans. San Francisco 49ers, no Garoppolo, no problem. They find a way to win against the Texans. Still in the hunt for the playoffs. As I mentioned before, the Rams and how they barely beat Baltimore, but they had a great game against Baltimore. The Saints keep their spot alive for opportunity at the playoff. They will go into the situation the same way, limping into what could be a situation, the seventh seed in the playoff. We don't know. It's really hard to say at this point, but Philly needs to win. And San Fran needs to win to maintain the six and seven spots. Outside of that, everything is good night, nurse. Not going to get a spot if these guys come out victorious. For the 
bad teams, the bad teams, the bad games that I saw for week 17, Minnesota, what are you doing? I know, I get it. Kirk Cousins doesn't play. He's stricken with COVID. Listen, I I understand that, you know, with COVID, how things affect the way games are played now, it's not so much on the players per se, but if I'm Kirk Cousins, if there's anything I can do personally and to do something to help motivate this team and put this team in a position to win, the one thing I need to do is think more about myself and my own health to give the Minnesota Vikings a fighting chance to beat Green Bay, which they've done earlier this season, which they could not do a Sunday night in Lambeau Field, in large parts that they had no offense. Washington, my gosh, where do I go with Washington? Such a disgraceful season. Such a horrible way to finish your season. Losing the last four games after just winning the last five, uh, excuse me, the last four games. This in itself is such an embarrassment on the organization. You only hope that Washington has enough sense to do something about this team to move in a positive direction. Whether they decide to go out and find free agents to help build this offense and defense will be the biggest question mark. I'd love to see what Coach Ron Rivera does. Moving forward, Jacksonville, shame on you for allowing the Patriots to put 50 points on you. You went into that game not even caring in the world how you're gonna how you're gonna win, or better yet, how you're gonna lose that game. Because chances are you weren't gonna win. But you, who would have guessed that the Patriots are gonna put 50 points on you? Somebody else needs to be fired in that organization. Outside of what they did with Urban Myers, somebody else needs someone else needs to go on that team. Jets and Giants, you know, I'm not going to dwell too much on that. I got other things to talk about. But I Joe Judge, what are you talking about, brother? I, I understand you're trying to find answers for failing or failed season. But I, I whether you are a specialist in commentary or if you're a person that just can't find the words, the right words to find, to, to, to explain, to describe the nature of this team, the way you decided to end that press conference on Sunday after that horrible loss to the Bears did not help your chances at being the coach for next season with the Giants. You let not one but two offensive coaches go, and now you're in a position to do what? Make things better by illustrating the fact that they don't have their golf clubs ready to I don't I don't I don't understand this. I don't understand the narrative. I'm not going to try to break it down. Maybe there's just some things the commissioners understand about Joe Judge himself. But, you know, it's just one of those things where if you got to fire all these offensive coaches for what they've contributed to this team, perhaps the problem is not with them. Perhaps the problem stems a little bit further, a little bit bigger than with Garrett and others and Colombo. It, it's, it's probably a situation with you that you really need to take a look and understand that your job is now in jeopardy. 
Cleveland, you just lost the game. And like I said, I'm not going to front, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to fault Cleveland for what's happened. You know, a lot of it just stems on the fact that outside of injuries, this team just did not find the spark that it did last season. Maybe we should just leave it at that. Why instigate any more than that? For the bad teams in my two-a-days, the bad teams, let's start with Miami Dolphins. I talked about them a few minutes ago. The Miami Dolphins get shellacked by Tennessee, a game that they had to win to maintain their spot for the playoffs. They had just won seven straight games. Offense did not come to play. Yeah, it was a messy day, but who cares? It didn't snow. It was raining. Miami's used to the rain. Why was it so hard to defeat the Tennessee Titans? Tua Tungavailoa, maybe it's not all his doing. I didn't see much out of that running game. 16 attempts for 74 yards is not going to cut it against this Tennessee defense. Red zone, what can we say? Tennessee's in the red zone two out of three times. They commit and win. No, not win, but they commit and score. Miami's chances in the red zone, zero for zero. They never saw the red zone. This was a defensive stand for the Tennessee Titans, which is evident. They pretty much smacked them in the mouth, made sure that they left an impression with the Miami Dolphins. And it really makes you wonder if, even if they make the play, let's just say Miami does make the playoffs, how well they going to, how well will this team be? to play against some of these other teams right now that are red hot as well. I pretty much thought that the way they played against the Saints would be similar to how they would do against Tennessee. And interesting enough, the way that Miami played just was not up to par. Bad play calling, perhaps, subpar performance. And for that, you only get three points against the AFC South champion, Titus, Tennessee Titans. The next team... You know, I'm only going to say that this was a bad loss because you just got finished smacking Washington 56 to 14. And then the Cardinals come into your home. And the Cardinals, for the most part, held you to seven points for most of the game. This is a Dallas team that's supposed to be going to the Super Bowl. This is a Dallas team that's supposed to be winning a championship this year. And the way that they looked against Arizona, God forbid if they got to play Arizona in the first round of the playoffs and Arizona has to go to your house again, (laughs) Dallas loses 25-22. And in spite of their efforts of trying to win that game, they had no chance. No chance, you know I'm told, you know I'm going with that. No chance to win against the Cardinals that is red hot on the road. They are hotter on the road than they are at home. I believe they're eight and one this season on the road. And like I just said, if the scenario plays out that they have to play the Cardinals in the first round of playoffs, is anybody gonna tell me, Dallas fans, that that defense is gonna slow down Kyler Murray? Is anybody going to tell me that Dak Prescott's going to throw the ball against Arizona's defense that is probably the top defense, if not one of the top defenses in the league? Somebody tell me, what do you think Dallas is going to do, given the scenario that they have, even if they defeat the Eagles? It won't make any difference if you got to play Arizona the following week. 
you honestly believe you're going to beat Arizona for a chance to perhaps make the next round and then the NFC Championship? This is where people need to wake up and realize the reality of it all is that Dallas is not a good team. They've had a great season. A lot of guys on defense with uh, Micah Parsons, Trevon Diggs, and uh, Demarcus, uh, is it Demarcus Lawrence, I think it is. I forgot the brother's name. I mean, some of these guys really stepped up when it was necessary on defense. But for what I gather of Dallas, this is just the same song, just a different season. We're going to have to wait and see just how great this Dallas team is when it's time for the playoffs. So says the commish. I've got about maybe five minutes to rant on Antonio Brown. I, I actually, when I did radio a few years ago, I dug so far into Antonio Brown because of the arrogance and the the narcissistic ways that he shows on and off the field to make people believe that he's the best receiver in the world. And, you know, after looking at the stats that he had in Pittsburgh, on average from the season, the 2013 season to the 2018 season, for that five or six year snet that he played, might have been his best football in his career. On average, he had 114 receptions from tw- from 2023, excuse me, 2013 to 2018. 114 receptions. He had 1,524 yards on average of receiving yards. And he had on average 11 touchdowns. Now, I didn't want to give you stats for year by year by year because it fluctuated, but it's the fact that during that six-year stint, he was the top receiver. He was the best receiver in the NFL. And he was so outstanding outside of being nicknamed the Killer Bees. When they went into the playoffs, he was electrifying. There wasn't anything anybody can do to stop Antonio Brown, which is why Tom Brady adored him, which is why he wanted him on his team. And then when you saw what happened this past Sunday with Antonio Brown deciding to just throw off his shoulder pads, throw off his jersey, take off his t-shirt, take off his gloves, and leave half butt naked off the field. (laughs) Maybe it wasn't half butt naked. But my point is this. There's something about Antonio Brown that as a fan, you continue to root for him because of the fact he's such a talented receiver. But if you're a person that manages any of these football teams, you despise the attitude that he brings out and what he brings forth when discussing his time with these teams. You know, I think the reason that we're talking about Antonio Brown has less to do with Tom Brady and more to do with Ben Roethlisberger and what he did to pretty much uh, accelerate his career, his time in Pittsburgh. And whether people want to give Roethlisberger or the Steelers praise what they did with Antonio Brown it's still the fact that Antonio Brown really thought that he was bigger 
than the Steelers and thus bigger than the organization itself, bigger than the NFL. When he left off that field, he didn't think about anybody else. He didn't think about how much money he was going to lose. All he thought about was Antonio Brown. And you think about all the other antics that led up to this with the fake vaccination card and the issues he had off the field with uh, sexual harassment cases with some of these women. Antonio Brown is just a person that you just don't want on your team in spite of just how good he is. You want to somehow separate the football player from the fool that he is. And you can't. You can't make Antonio Brown any better of a person than what he is right now. And for what he's shown Sunday afternoon there at MetLife Stadium when he decided just to quit on the team. Bruce Aarons has every right to be up in arms about Antonio Brown. Because the way you carried on as a professional player was pitiful. It was horrible. It was the fact that you decided just to think about you. But, you know, if you look at it in hindsight, that's all he's ever thought about was himself. All he ever thought about was what Antonio Brown could do for Antonio Brown. So says the commission. I wish I could go more into this, but I'm out of time. Time goes so fast on this mic. You've been listening to the Kneel Down podcast. I am the commission. I wish I had a little bit more time to maybe go in depth with Antonio Brown. I mean, maybe it's overkill at this point. Because if anybody that listened to my show in the past knows how I feel about Antonio Brown. Great guy, but completely selfish. And there's just no room in the NFL for a player that magnitude, especially this far into the game. I want to thank everybody again for listening to this show. It means so much to me. I'm going to try to do a little bit better when the time comes. Enjoy the week. It's getting chilly out there. I see there's some blizzards flowing around on the East Coast. Be careful out there. With that being said, I'm going to say peace and love to all those out there. Stay safe. Get vaccinated. I'm out.